Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Method and Madness is a true crime podcast and contains descriptions of violence. This episode features themes of domestic violence and the murder of a pregnant woman. Listener discretion is advised. It's a side of the pandemic that isn't getting a lot of coverage. This is Method and Madness episode 36, The Murder of Keishla Rodriguez. I'm your host, Don Gandhi. The body was dismembered. A ransom note was discovered. Hikers stumbled upon the nude body of a local... Police are looking into the brutal slaying of a young woman. There may be a clue in a released 911 call. The victim said she was stalked for five years. Held captive inside a storage container. It was a twisted mix of obsession and revenge. No weapon has been located. Shot while asleep in their beds. Revenge. Method and Madness. Keishla hung up the phone with her mom and got ready to go. She was nervous as she made sure she had the test results in her purse, checking one last time before closing the door behind her. She walked outside into the warm April morning. The steamier days on the island were just weeks away. Behind the wheel of her gray Kia Forte sedan, she took a deep breath and drove the short distance to where they'd agreed to meet. In a way, she wanted to get this over with, and then she'd be off to work. Pulling into the lot, she saw his black Durango was already there, and she pulled up beside him. Keishla shifted her car into park and got out shutting the door and giving a little wave as she got into the passenger side of the Durango. But he wasn't alone. And there was no warning, no indication of danger. She didn't have a chance before his fist came at her face at approximately 700 to 800 PSI, or pounds per square inch about six times harder than the average person can throw a punch. And then it was like the lights went out and the prick of the needle entered her skin. It's an obvious destination for tourists, honeymooners, families, especially for those living in the United States, as a passport is not required. With its 227 miles of white sand beaches, palm trees, music, art, bioluminescent bays, and all the rum you could ask for, Puerto Rico is paradise. The island spans over 3,500 miles with a population of approximately 3.3 million. And anyone who visits must make a stop to see the cobblestone streets and colorful buildings of old San Juan. But despite its culture, diversity, heritage, and hospitality, 
Puerto Rico is dealing with an epidemic, one so bad that the governor declared a state of emergency. Women are disappearing at alarming rates as a result of abduction and murder. There is an aspect of the pandemic where you're considered lucky if you can stay safely in your home, have the option to work from home, have the resources to work from home, and perhaps just as importantly, have the familial support or comfort, safety of being home. I consider myself lucky to be one of those people, and maybe it's my Irish side, but sometimes I feel guilt about that. Because the sad reality is that not everyone has that same sense of safety. What is it about the time since March 2020 that has made life more dangerous for women? For some, a lockdown means fewer options, and one of those options means being stuck with your abuser. Findings from the United Nations Population Fund state that intimate partner violence has been on the rise since the start of the pandemic. And the CDC has found that, quote, during times of natural disasters and crisis, occurrences of intimate partner violence increase. This can be attributed to key factors, isolation, stress, economic insecurity, substance abuse, and a lack of resources. These factors create unstable and dangerous circumstances for people quarantining with their abusers. And it's contributed to a significant increase in calls to domestic violence hotlines internationally. In 2020, at least 60 women were murdered in Puerto Rico, a 62% increase from 2019. Gender violence had become an epidemic. Oxfam, a global organization that fights inequality to end poverty and injustice, reported that, quote, in many households, coronavirus has created a perfect storm of social and personal anxiety, stress, economic pressure, social isolation, including with abusive family members or partners, and rising alcohol and substance use, resulting in increases in domestic abuse. Now, coming out of lockdown and getting the world back to normal isn't the answer to solving this rising problem. It will take major change in the way that women are supported, resources are provided, and the shifting of a social norm. And the violence doesn't just exist at home where nobody can see. Sometimes it's in plain sight with an accomplice. Let's dive in. Kishla Marlin Rodriguez-Ortiz was born November 6, 1993, to Kayla Ortiz and Jose Antonio Rodriguez. Close with her family, Kishla was a loving aunt to her nephews, an animal lover that owned two cats and two dogs, and she worked as a groomer in her home of San Juan. Her mother, Kayla, described Kishla as humble, with a good heart, a family girl. In April 2021, Kishla shared the exciting news with her family that she'd recently taken a pregnancy test, and it was positive. She was in her first trimester and already picking out baby names for the child that she was having with her boyfriend, Felix. 
But there would be no time to celebrate the new life. No baby showers, because on April 29th, Kishla didn't report to work. The pet salon where Kishla was employed as a groomer reached out to her sister, Berylise Nicole, when she hadn't shown up for her shift. She immediately started calling and texting her sister, but was unable to reach her. She then contacted the authorities and took to social media to implore the public for their assistance in finding Kishla. An Alerta Rosa, or Pink Alert, was issued, a national alert system used when an adult woman or an adult identifying as a woman is missing. Reportedly, it was implemented for the first time when Kishla went missing. The missing persons report listed Kishla as 27 years old, 5 foot 4 inches, 120 pounds, and it included a photo of the woman smiling at the camera. Meanwhile, Mom Kayla received a call from her daughter, Berylise Nicole. Mom lived in Orlando, Florida, and knew something was very wrong upon receiving that phone call. It wasn't like Kishla to blow off work. And she'd just spoken to her daughter earlier that morning and knew who the last person to see Kishla was. Felix Verdejo was a lightweight boxer who'd represented Puerto Rico in the 2012 Olympics in London. On August 7, 2016, he was in a motorcycle accident in Puerto Rico and suffered a head injury, was listed in critical condition, and recovered. In an attempted comeback, Verdejo had what was described by boxing promoter Bob Aram as a very disappointing fight. Aram said of the boxer, quote, It's nuts, the lack of discipline. He has gone back so far, and maybe he can put it together and come back, because coming out of the 2012 Olympics, he had the most talent of any of them. If that's any indication of the rise and fall of Felix Verdejo, the boxer was the golden boy, with a record of 27 wins and two losses with 17 knockouts. But by 2018, the rising star wasn't looking so good, and in December of 2020, he was knocked out by Masayoshi Nakatani in the ninth round. But Nakatani has gotten by far the best of it. Oh, and he's hurt! He sends him back! Nakatani is damaged for Deho, and he doesn't look good at all! He and Kishla had been seeing each other off and on during this time for about 11 years. She'd traveled with him when he was training in the States, but the 27-year-old Verdejo was married to Elise Marie Santiago Sierra, and the pair had a two-year-old daughter. And his wife had reportedly found out about his relationship with Kishla through text messages. It's a safe assumption that Felix Verdejo's world was crumbling. 
His boxing career was hanging on by a thread. His wife had reportedly left him, and now the woman he was seeing off and on was nearly two months pregnant with his child. Now, I wish I could say that Felix Verdejo handled his stuff like a responsible adult, that he did some self-reflection and started to get things in order, that he came clean to his wife and promised to support Kishla through pregnancy and parenthood. But this is a true crime podcast, and happy endings are few and far between. Upon hearing the news of Kishla's pregnancy, Felix Verdejo began asking, demanding that Kishla get an abortion. Through calls and texts, he stated that because he was a public figure, that this wasn't going to look good for him. But Kishla, thrilled to be a mother, refused to terminate her pregnancy and assured Verdejo that he didn't have to be any part of it. The baby would carry her last name, and she wouldn't bother him. Besides, she had the loving support of her parents and siblings and plenty of nephews to be cousins to her baby. But Verdejo was spiraling. He wanted proof that Kishla was pregnant. And so the morning of Thursday, April 29, 2021, Kishla Rodriguez and Felix Verdejo made plans to meet up before Kishla was scheduled for work. She planned on showing him her positive test results like he wanted, but she was unaware that he had other motives for arranging the meeting. Kishla called her mom around 7 that morning to tell her about her upcoming meeting with the boxer, and mom said to please be careful. He'd already threatened Kishla to not have the baby because of his career as a boxer and because he'd had a family. But now it was hours later. Kishla wasn't at work, and Felix Verdejo wasn't answering her family's questions. Kayla immediately got on a plane from Orlando to Puerto Rico. Friends and family were frantically trying to locate Kishla, and all Felix Verdejo was saying was that he hadn't seen or talked to Kishla and had no idea where she was. Kayla told the press that that was the first lie, and she told Verdejo that too. He was questioned by police in San Juan for about 30 minutes, but it was in the presence of a lawyer, and Verdejo refused to answer any questions regarding Kishla's disappearance. The next day, Kishla's car was found abandoned about 30 kilometers or 18 miles away from San Juan in the town of Canovanas. And two days after she went missing, Kishla's body washed up in the San Jose Lagoon. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. I don't know about you, but I'm really thankful that mental health and self-care are taking more of a front seat these days. Therapy has helped me when I felt overwhelmed and needed to sort some things out. Maybe you're feeling more stressed lately or like you're struggling with work or personal relationships. However you're feeling, you deserve to be happy and to know that there is no shame in therapy. BetterHelp is customized online therapy. In under 48 hours, you could be communicating with a therapist by phone, live chat, or video if you're comfortable. Now is a good time to invest in yourself and see what online therapy is all about. And 
special offer to Method and Madness listeners. You can get 10% off your first month of professional therapy at betterhelp.com slash methodandmadness. That's betterhelp.com slash methodandmadness. Thanks again to BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode. Keishla Rodriguez and her unborn child were dead. The woman who had dedicated so much of her life to feeding and sheltering stray animals was tossed aside like she didn't matter. The likely suspect was the man she'd been seeing, Felix Verdejo. He was questioned again, of course, but swore he had nothing to do with Keishla's murder. Ultimately, the discovery of Keishla's body was not the work of law enforcement being in the right place at the right time. It was the result of a person with a guilty conscience, who felt so sorry for what they did, so depressed that they arranged a meeting with a lawyer and provided a full confession. It was a person that, for some time, was only known in the news as a, quote, unnamed witness, someone who came forward and claimed they'd helped a friend. It had all started two days before the murder. On about April 27th, Felix Verdejo reached out to the witness requesting help in terminating a pregnancy. On April 29th, Verdejo asked for Keishla to meet him near her home. He and the witness were there waiting in his black Dodge Durango. Keishla arrived at the meeting spot in her gray Kia Forte. She got out of her car and into Verdejo's. They barely talked for a few moments, and then Verdejo punched Keishla in the face. And let's break that down for a minute. An average person of average size that's not a trained boxer punches at a rate of about 150 pounds per square inch. Now, a trained boxer, a professional who competed in the Olympics, can punch at an average of 700 to 800 pounds per square inch. Verdejo, being a lightweight, means that while competing, his weight would need to be at a maximum 135 pounds. While not competing, he could weigh approximately 150 pounds. And while boxers don't literally have to register their hands as lethal weapons, in the court of law, they can be seen as deadly weapons. As if that wasn't enough, Verdejo then took out a syringe and injected Keishla with the drugs fentanyl and heroin that were purchased in Lorenz Torres. Verdejo and the witness then tied her arms and feet with wire and loaded her into her own car. The witness took Keishla's keys, got behind the wheel of her car, and followed Verdejo's Durango to Teodoro Moscoso Bridge, which crosses the San Jose Lagoon between San Juan and Carolina. Verdejo and the witness stopped the cars on the bridge. They tied a heavy cinder block to Keishla to weigh her down and then threw her from the bridge into the water below. From the bridge, Verdejo withdrew a gun and shot at Keishla's body before driving off. Keishla's car was abandoned in Canovanas. Her wallet was inside, but her identifications were taken. The next day, April 30th, Police discovered the abandoned Kia with Keishla's belongings inside. 
They pulled her phone records, and going off of some of that data, also pulled the records of Verdejo's cell phone and found that there was activity between the two phones within the area of the Teodoro Moscoso Bridge. From there, surveillance footage was reviewed of the bridge, and at 8.29 a.m., police saw a dark SUV consistent with Verdejo's Durango park in the emergency lane on the bridge. The SUV then left and returned twice before driving off at 9.31 a.m. A search of the area led to the discovery of at least one shell casing. On May 1st, Keishla's body was recovered from the San Jose Lagoon by police. According to the Washington Post, quote, Hundreds of protesters gathered on Sunday at Teodoro Moscoso Bridge, demanding an end to gender violence on the island. Rodriguez's sister, Berlis Nicole Rodriguez, dressed in her sister's work clothes, stood in the middle of the bridge and held a photo in memory of her. I'm a part of her, Berlis Nicole had told El Nuevo Dia. I'm even dressed as her. I want justice to be made. That Sunday evening, Felix Verdejo turned himself in to the police. He was charged with kidnapping resulting in death, carjacking resulting in death, and killing of an unborn child. For some time, the witness that assisted Verdejo was not identified. Rumors swirled that it was Verdejo's wife that had helped him. It was speculated that the two paired up to take care of this problem in their marriage, but police questioned her and firmly stated that she was not a suspect. Finally, the alleged witness was identified as Luis Antonio Cadiz Martinez, a man that, frankly, not many news outlets or documents have said a whole lot about regarding who he is, other than that he's a former federal convict. In any case, all of the information that he provided in his confession aligned with the physical evidence of the crime. Keishla's funeral was held on May 6th, and her distraught family gathered, their arms extended over her casket in a heartbreaking display of love and mourning. As of this recording, the charges against Verdejo and Cadiz Martinez include carjacking resulting in the death of one person, kidnapping resulting in the death of one person, killing an unborn child and carrying and using a firearm to commit a violent crime. They've each entered in a plea of not guilty and are awaiting trial. The U.S. attorney had contemplated pursuing the death penalty but will no longer be doing so. If convicted, the men each face life sentences in prison. Felix Verdejo, who has limited funds as a result of not boxing since 2020, is trying to obtain legal assistance. He remains in jail while awaiting trial, and if convicted, faces up to 99 years in prison. In January 2021, after years of pushing by human rights activists, Puerto Rico's governor, Pedro Perlusi, declared a state of emergency, change that was long overdue. In May of 2021, ABC News reported an approved $7 million would be used for different programs aimed at preventing gender-based violence in Puerto Rico. And according to the ACLU, in 2012, the island had, quote, 
the highest per capita rate in the world of women over 14 killed by their partners. Now, this rate doubled after Hurricane Maria devastated the island in 2018 and worsened conditions for its already vulnerable communities. So what would declaring a state of emergency do, exactly? First, it was a huge step with the governor, even acknowledging that violence against women is different than other types of violence. And it would allocate funds, policies across government agencies aimed at preventing and responding to violence against women. A feminist group stated that there were always laws and policies against gender violence, but that what was crucial was follow-through. And that follow-through came too late for far too many. In April 2021, 35-year-old Andrea Ruiz of Puerto Rico appeared in court twice, virtually, and filed a complaint against her former boyfriend, 40-year-old Miguel Ocasio. The pair had dated for eight months, and Andrea was desperate to protect herself from his abuse. During their time together, and since their breakup, Miguel had put Andrea through a pattern of harassment and emotional abuse, going through her phone and exploding over things he didn't like to see. And after she ended things with him, Miguel continued the abuse, holding on to personal photos and videos of Andrea, although she begged him to delete them. He'd threatened to send them to people that she knew. He'd incessantly call her and text her as well as her friends. Andrea requested to have Miguel arrested or to have a protective order to keep him away. The judge said she found no cause, and neither the protective order nor the arrest were made. Weeks later, Andrea's badly burned body was found in the mountain town of Calle. Puerto Rico's Institute of Forensic Science identified her through dental records. Miguel Ocasio confessed to police that he'd murdered Andrea, and investigators stated she'd been killed by a combination of physical force and stab wounds inflicted with a knife. In August 2021, while in jail on charges of first-degree murder and destruction of evidence, Miguel Ocasio died by suicide. Is there an end in sight to gender violence? Not until significant change happens. Experts say that the problems of violence against women is rooted in a culture of machismo and a system that doesn't protect women in situations of abuse. Oxfam International Executive Director Gabriella Butcher says, quote, The pandemic has worsened long-standing gender discriminations, and this has increased the vulnerability of women and girls and LGBTQIA people to violence and abuse. If governments do not deliberately initiate strong, properly funded strategies to tackle this, the gains made in women's empowerment in the last 30 years are at risk. There is a shrine dedicated to Kishla on the Teodoro Moscoso Bridge. She had a tattoo of a diamond on her back in honor of Felix Verdejo, who was known in the boxing community as El Diamante. On an Instagram story posted by her sister, Baralise Nicole, a photo is shown of Kishla's back with the diamond tattoo. The caption, she could never see that the diamond was her. Thank you. 
Thank you for listening to Method and Madness. This is an independent podcast, so if you'd like to show your support, you can leave a five-star rating on Spotify or a five-star review on Apple Podcast or on Podchaser. I'm on Twitter at MethodPod and on Instagram at Method and Madness Pod. There's a Method and Madness page on Facebook as well. To chat or discuss the episode, reach out to me at methodandmadnesspod at gmail.com. Method and Madness is researched, written, and hosted by me. It is edited by Moen Spo. Thank you to Faith and John of the Mission Rejected podcast and to Rohan for lending their voices for the theme music. Method and Madness is a true crime podcast that discusses dark and disturbing subject matter. Take care of yourself. For crisis support, text hello to 741-741.